I'm Junie Felix, and this is the Quest for Joy podcast. Thank you so much for just making a little bit of time today to listen. And I'm really looking forward to journeying just a bit more with you. And I hope that we can encourage one another to walk by faith and to live out of love instead of fear more and more every day. So how are you doing? How are you doing with your tribe these days? If you are in a shelter-in-place state like I am, the beautiful state of Illinois, then you might be finding yourself with a lot more free time. I know here in Chicagoland, we automatically have more free time because we're not commuting. There's so much commuting that happens in Chicago and there's a lot of traffic. So that's an additional time slot that we now get to fill with good things. I hope that you're doing the same, enjoying your tribe, your family your household, your roommates, wherever you may be. Now, we've just been playing a lot of video games, and uh, that's just something we've always done. It's part of my family culture. We play a lot of video games, mostly RPGs. Uh, You name it, we're on it, but (laughs) for the most part, playing a lot of video games and watching a lot of our favorite movies. We started a whole Star Wars marathon at my house the other day, and it's going on and on. You know, there's plenty of those. There's some of those that we are definitely going to skip or fast forward through, but yeah, the newer ones. Anyway, just lots of movies. And that's my thing. You know how some people will go to the art museum and they can stand in front of one painting for or sit in front of one painting for two hours. Or you go to the symphony. Some people go to the symphony. Some people just paint or, you know, whatever artistic medium it is that helps you to feel closer to God and a sense of peace and calm in your soul. It's so beautiful, the way that God made each and every one of us so different. Even if you just like to get outside and enjoy God's artwork in the skies or the trees, we've even got snow here, just started yesterday, snowed all day long. So whatever it is that helps you feel close to God, I do hope that you are leaning in during this time and inviting your loved ones and friends to do the same with you. Now, movies for me are important because I'm so visual And so I hear from God a lot through films of all genres, except for horror. I don't watch horror movies. But anyway, I always have a great time watching a movie and hearing lessons from God that I feel correlate directly to the scriptures that I have studied and learned and teach so often. Now, the movie that I've been watching a lot in the past week is called Gravity. It's um, 2013. Sandra Bullock is the um, lead in that, along with George Clooney. And so I love Sandra Bullock. And space travel is one of my favorite topics. So I saw it twice in the theaters when it first came out. And then I bought most of the soundtrack as soon as I left. And I highly recommend this film for a visual aid when it comes to taking tiny steps in trauma recovery and spiritual growth, which of course, you know, is my passion, helping people move tiny steps from trauma to faith. Now in gravity, you will see at the beginning, the space shuttle team is talking to one another. They're working together on the mission, even singing and dancing during their spacewalks. Now, Sandra Bullock, she plays a character named Dr. Ryan Stone, and George Clooney is Matt Kowalski. And they're both doing similar work with similar training for the task, except for Matt has been an astronaut like forever. And Sandra Bullock's character, Dr. Ryan Stone's only been, she's only had six months of training before up she goes. So they have very different backgrounds in some ways, some similarities, but their responses to the trauma that happens next is what really caught my attention. And so they're doing everything as usual, 
getting out, working, talking to one another, business as usual, just like it was for us before shelter in place. And they have to have an ongoing conversation with Mission Control because that's how the folks on planet Earth, the folks from home, know that the astronauts are floating around up there and they're doing just fine. You keep the conversation going. That's really important. So they're working on this upgrade of some sort for the Hubble telescope. And then all of the sudden, this debris from a satellite that's been destroyed comes rocketing toward them at a speed that only causes total destruction upon impact. And it rips their shuttle apart and sends all of them spinning out into the infinite void of space. And it's terrifying. The first time I saw it, and even now, probably a hundred times later, my heart still races a bit every time I watch these scenes in the film. Just think about that. You're spinning through space. Oxygen is running off. There's this alarm that keeps going off in her suit. There's no anchor. There's no tether. She's just spinning. And the whole earth is right there. You cannot miss the fact in this film that all the while you can see home, but you're spinning away or you're drifting away. But when the spinning finally stops, you just, you can't miss the beauty of Earth there, but she can't get to it. At one point, Kowalski tells Stone to flash her light so he can find her. And I love that. Flash your light so I can find you. And he does. And then he uses the little bit of rocket power that he has. And he blasts over and he tethers himself to her. So now she's not alone. They're attached to one another. And he's a talker. So he tells stories. He sings songs. He guides and directs because she only has six months of training. So he knows what to do to keep her calm, to calm her down. And so finally, she becomes calm. She stops hyperventilating. And he asks her about her everyday life. And she tells him about the death of her child at age four and how since then she just drives. She goes to work, she gets in her car, and she drives. Because that's what she was doing when she first received the news about the freak accident that caused her daughter's death. So when she's not working, she's not connecting. She's not grieving forward in a healthy way or healing. She just drives and numbs her pain with activity. And that's the path that led her to working with NASA on a prototype for the Hubble telescope. But now that's also the path that led her to spinning around an empty space unable to go home. She can see home, but there's no way she can think of to return home. And this is where you're going to notice where Kowalski's perspective is so very different from hers. She's floating, she's cursing, she's panicking, she can't calm herself down. But he is looking at the earth and he's floating away and he says things like, wow, you got to see how the sun is setting on the Ganges. And you just can't beat this view, he says, as he's looking at the sunrise on the earth from space. You know, perspective is important. You might hear some people say perspective is everything. Yes, perspective is important. It's not everything. But belief, belief is everything. That's what gives you eyes to see God's work and his power over your circumstances and situations. Now, eventually, fast forward here, no spoilers. I'm going to try not to spoil the movie for you because I really want you to check this out. The tether holding the two of them together must be severed or they both will die. And Dr. Stone, she finds herself alone again. Oxygen depleted. She can see home, but she can't get there. She's panicking, but then she's able to calm herself because she remembers what Kowalski taught her before they release the tether. And she makes it a long way to a small vehicle that could help her get through Earth's atmosphere to finally go home. But she gets there and she realizes she is out of fuel and she has a complete come apart. But she's receiving a frequency 
But it's not from Mission Command. She's now closer to the Earth's surface and she's getting an AM signal. And she thinks she's hearing the voice of a man named Anagog, but she can't understand the language he's speaking. There's a lot of distortion. And, you know, she calms down, but she just gives up hope. And she says, and here's a quote from the film, I'm going to die. I know we're all going to die. Everybody knows that. But I'm going to die today. And then she goes on to say, the thing is, I'm still scared. I'm really scared. Nobody will mourn for me. No one will pray for my soul. Will you mourn for me? Will you say a prayer for me? Or is it too late? I mean, I'd say one for myself, but I've never prayed in my life. Nobody ever taught me how. At this point, the alarms are going off. She's passing out due to lack of oxygen. But suddenly, the hatch opens. And there's Kowalski. He's okay. And he settles into the cabin. And what he says next is what I really was most excited to share with you today in this podcast. He says, listen, do you want to go back or do you want to stay here? I get it. It's nice up here. You can just shut down all the systems, turn out all the lights, and just close your eyes and tune out everyone. There's nobody up here that can hurt you. It's safe. I mean, what's the point of going on? What's the point of living? Your kid died. It doesn't get any rougher than that. But still, it's a matter of what you do now. If you decide to go, then you just got to get on with it. Sit back, enjoy the ride. You got to plant both your feet on the ground and start living life. Hey, Ryan, it's time to go home. So what about you? Have you ever come to a place of realization that you're not just living? You're not living, really. You're, you're, you're just on autopilot. You're in survival mode. You're alive, but you're not living. You know, maybe you go to work. Maybe you get in the car and drive. But you're not connecting. Not really. You're alone, spinning in space. You can see home, a place of peace and joy and love and real life. But you don't know how to get there because you're doing it all you can to make it through the day which is a phrase I've really come to dislike, just making it through the day. That's not life. That's surviving. And there really is a big difference. I'm here with you today to tell you there's a simple way to go home. As we always say in behavior design, I am a behavior design teacher. Simplicity is what changes behavior. It's what makes all the difference. There is a simple way for you to head home, to stop spinning, to stop isolating. The Bible says isolating yourself is raging against all wisdom. Wow. How about that? To stop protecting and numbing out with self-pity, self-hatred, regret, a way to come alive in the moment and keep moving forward. And it's just like you heard in the clip. You have to decide. You have to decide enough is enough. And no matter what heartache, no matter what trauma, no matter what you've been through, decide you will keep moving forward. One tiny step after the next toward what's good, what's true, what's right. You didn't choose the situations that caused you all that pain. Neither did I. We never would have written this story for ourselves. But just like Dr. Stone in the movie, she didn't choose the freak accident that sent her spiraling into unending grief and darkness. But she learns that she can choose 
and that she can control her responses. And I hope you watch the movie to find out what happens next because it's really inspiring. The whole movie is about rebirth, as you can see from the image that I chose for Instagram. It's it's a still taken from the movie. I actually held my iPhone up to the screen and took this picture for you. We've all got some extra time these days, especially if you're in a shelter-in-place state like I am here in Illinois. And I hope and pray that you'll consider to embrace the truth that your life is not about what's been you've been through or what's been done to you. Your situation is not your destiny. I pray that you'll decide today to come alive out of sorrow and darkness. It's all a matter of what you decide to believe right now so you can move forward. It's really simple to take a tiny and powerful step to know that you are so valuable, so loved, and so gifted. You are a gift to God, from God. You are a gift to God. Yes, you are a gift to this world from God. And if you don't believe it, please do find a Bible and read Ephesians 2.10. It's one of hundreds of scriptures about how God feels about you and how he made you to love you and be with you forever. I don't know what your unique gifts are, but I know you have them because I know God made you to love you and be with you forever. He made you and he doesn't make junk. And because he loves you, you're worthy of love and capable of echoing the truth to yourself every day if you choose to. So let's just uh, wrap up for now. But always remember, I do hope you'll always remember the quest for joy is only completed one tiny but resolute step after the next. My prayer for you today and every day is that you will be brave, be wise, be faithful, be present, be mindful, and be kind to yourself and others because you are so loved. Please stop by juniefelix.com. Claim your free download of The Gift of Sorrow. It's one of my best sellers at my events, and it's my way of saying thank you for sharing the journey. I've also put a link on my website to the uh, to Prime videos, so you can check out Gravity if you would like. I sure hope you will. And I'm just hoping and praying that until we digitally meet again, that you will indeed have a wonder-filled brand new day.